people would say that healthy food is boring and it's like no it's not like there's so much flavor that you can add to your food through spices and pickles and chutneys and things that are actually you know really good for the body and that is what really fascinated me so now you know I really look at foods as first of all you know nourishing but also you know tasty and beautiful and that's even in fine dining dinners. Hi guys, and welcome back to the Rach Active Podcast. We're bringing you insightful conversations to inspire wellness for your body and mind. Make sure you hit subscribe so that you get the latest episodes as soon as they are released. I'm your host, Rachel J, and I'm so excited to welcome my guest to the show today. She's the runner-up of this year's MasterChef Fans and Faves. She also appeared on season six of MasterChef in 2014. She's a restaurateur, TV host, and author of My Indian Kitchen, and the Healthy Model Cookbook. Welcome to the show, Sarah Todd. Thanks, Rach. So nice to be here and and looking forward to a, a nice chat today. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on the show to talk about all of these amazing things because you've had such an incredible journey and I'm so keen to hear about pre-MasterChef days as well, working with some really great brands. You used to be a model, which I think is super fascinating, the two different, I guess, parts of your journey. So let's start there. I mean, can you take me through and share with me what was going on back then, your your modeling journey and all of those things and what your relationship with your body and food was back then? Yeah, so it is a bit of a almost oxymoron going from, you know, modeling where it's all about like being very lean, very healthy to now being in the restaurant world where I'm tasting everything, eating everything. So it's um definitely in both worlds, I've, I felt that I really needed to find that balance. And I did go through quite a big uh, change in the beginning of my modeling uh, journey. And I think you, you, you dive into this world where, you know, it's the fashion, it's the castings, you're surrounded by models and brands, and it's all very exciting. But it can be a very tough industry to be a part of mentally. And it's really important to find uh, something that you can hold on to during that time. And in the early days, I definitely, I was young, right? So I started when I was about 18 years old. And naturally, you have a fast metabolism, you have high energy, and it's something that's quite easy for, for you if, if you're maintaining a healthy lifestyle and, and working out. So it really was the next few years to come that I started to realize, oh, hang on a minute, I need to work a little bit harder. And I also needed to find a, a way to live in this industry healthily for a long period of time. So it's fine to, to have, you know, these really strong bursts of energy and, and restriction and, and that health side of it, but I needed to find my balance. And for me, that was through nutrition. And I really delved into that side of of food and, and health and, and what gave me energy and how I could maintain a lean body, but have enough energy to work out a lot. And I think models are, you can almost relate them to being athletes because it's, it, you really do put that much um, effort into the way that you look and feel. And um, yeah, I think there really was a, a turning point, you know, where you're walking into these castings and you're 
take your modeling portfolio in and they're flicking through and they're analyzing everything about you. And I was like, oh gosh, like, what do they think of me? And it's all physical appearance, right? <laughs> it's mm. It was yeah hard in the beginning to go, you know, to separate, I think, the, your physical appearance from the fact that, you know, you may be just not right for that job and it's fine. So, you know, it might just not be what they're looking for. So I did go through a little bit of a period where I found it hard to go through that industry. But then I got that, you know, managed to realize in my mind that it wasn't just about my physical appearance. It's a lot of things that come into it. So yeah, I did go through a bit of a um, transformation, but I think it, it definitely did build me to have a bit more of a thick skin to not overanalyze my body so much anymore. So it definitely was a a lot of things I had to go through during that period. Yeah, I mean, I feel like obviously the, the industry is so focused. It places so much attention on your outward appearance. It's so good to hear that you were able to find the balance between obviously what the industry is looking for, but finding that balance for yourself and what it feels to feel good within yourself and find a way that works for you. Like you were saying, being able to eat well and focus on your nutrition and also incorporate the other aspects aside from just that part of it. So having more of a holistic view, I suppose, on on your own health and wellness. I'm, I'm interested to know your perspective on looking good and feeling good and how you think the two interlink, if they even interlink at all. Because like we just said that in that industry, the focus is so much placed on your outward appearance. So where does feeling good come into it? How did the two sort of interlink for you? I honestly believe that feeling good is is the most important part of it. And I know I've been through a lot of uh, different emotions throughout the past, um, you know, 15 years of my career from being a model and going into the chef world and, you know, putting a lot of pressure on the way that I look and and then realizing that it, it's the way that you speak to yourself and it's the way that you feel. And the moment I started changing the way I would look at myself, you know, in the early days, it would, I'd look at the small things. I'd, you know, I, it was to the extreme that I would go to my personal trainer and say, okay, looking at my body, I want, you know, I was really skinny. I was like, I want my chest to look bigger. So I want to do chest workouts. So I get like the crease in the middle of my chest, like my lower back. (laughs) I want to do lower back workouts. So I get the muscles in my lower back. And I look back and go, wow, like how intensely must I have been analyzing my body to think about these small details And Mm. I wasn't thinking about how I was feeling. You know, there was days where I was working out, you know, two hours a day, three hours a day. And that was, that was okay for me back then. And now I'm like, okay, was that giving me energy? Was that fueling my mind? You know, no, because I was really restricting what I was doing. And I was, all I was thinking about was the way I was looking and not about how I was feeling. And Mm. after the modeling, you know, industry, when I moved into food, And now having a son and a single mother, you know, time was really, time is the most precious thing to me now. So if I'm tired and I've got limited time, then how am I going to live my life and enjoy it? So physical appearance just really um, wasn't high on my radar. And I really focused on how I was feeling and how I could have the most energy and how I could be the most present for my son. 
and also happy, you know, and I think that's the thing as well. Like I now look at food. Yes, I look at it as nutrition, but I think what's going to give me the most energy? What is it? What's going to make me feel the most fulfilled? And it's really interesting, but I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and there's this, um, uh, an athlete that he only eats like pasta and pizza in the evenings and everyone thinks he's completely mad, but he loves it so much. So when he's eating his food, he just has so much joy and endorphins kick in. So I think it's really important to think about, um, you know, food as happiness as well. And it can bring us that too. Yeah, it's nice to have both and and not be so restricted, I guess, to only looking at how it's going to work in terms of how we look, but more so looking at the actual experience of eating food and enjoying food and finding that joy, like you were saying. I really like that, that perspective on it. So tell me about, because this is such, to me, it's such a fascinating journey going from working in really sort of high end, you know, working with some really high end brands like Gucci and Hugo Boss and working as a high fashion model to working in the chef world, I feel is such a, like we were saying before, it's such a juxtaposition. How did this journey go for you going from being a model to being a chef and then being on MasterChef? because you originally appeared on season six of the show, that was back in 2014. Had you always wanted to be a chef and been interested in cooking? How did that transition sort of go for you? Talk me through how that sort of went. I think in the early days for me, the, you know, through modeling, it really did give me a lot of insight into food. And because I really did analyze it in a way that I really wanted to nourish my body. But in the long term, I was like, I love food and I want it to taste good and I want it to be amazing. And there's, you know, so many times I would be asked like, you know, or people would say that healthy food is boring and it's like, no, it's not. Like there's so much flavor that you can add to your food through spices and pickles and chutneys and things that are actually, you know, really good for the body. And that is what really fascinated me. So now, you know, I really look at food as first of all, you know, nourishing, but also, you know, tasty and beautiful. And that's even in fine dining dinners. I don't, you know, I don't want people to walk out of the the dinner feeling sick and full and like they need to roll into bed and they almost feel like they're going to be sick because of eating too much. It's not, I think it's important to find that balance with food. So um, yeah, that transition was, it was, it wasn't easy. There was a lot of hard work that had to go into it because there was also that, um, I guess, there was comments, like straight up comments where they're like, Sarah was planted into MasterChef because she's a model. And I'm like, I have done, I've studied <laughs> like crazy to understand all the techniques and food. You know, I did courses at La Corte and Blah. I was living in a, an Indian household where I was learning Indian cuisine I'd come home, I'd be watching cooking shows on television and writing these recipes. And then to have done all that hard work and walk into the MasterChef kitchen, people be like, she she actually can't cook. She's she's like an actor or something that's come into the show. Like, you can't really act cooking though. I feel like you can either cook or you can't cook. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, so there's this battle that I need to get through. And I think now you know, people have seen through you know, different shows that I've done, whether it's my restaurant in India, where they filmed the, me 
starting my restaurant in India and seeing the hard work that goes into it and that it is me doing it. Nobody's, I don't have this fancy team behind me, like making me, I mean, I do have an amazing team behind me that helps me to do the things that I do, but ultimately you have to do the hard work and, and start these, um, you know, follow your passion if that's what it is. So for me, there really was this battle in the beginning that I really needed to justify myself and and prove that I'm worthy of being in this industry and do the hard work. And so that was difficult, but it was very rewarding in the same sense because now I see the reaction from from people that, you know, young young girls and and you know, people from all over are looking up to what I've done and and it gives me that fuel to go yeah, I did it. It was hard, but you can do it too. And and I I love to be able to inspire other people to 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 push through these difficult um, starts in their career and and to know that it's worth it in the end. Yeah, I mean, I think that's amazing. And I think just touching on there, having to break through that perspective of you being a model and I guess being there because you actually want to be a chef is just proof that you've had to do all that hard work to actually be a real success in this industry because like you said, it takes a lot of hard work. It's not just something that you could just do, you know what I mean? People don't just cook and, uh, you know, get to the success that you have achieved in your career. So I I think it's so amazing to see and definitely an inspiration to to young girls and, and females out there that do want to take a chance and do something that might be completely different from what they originally started with, you know. Yeah. Now, you've been through such an incredible MasterChef journey because you've been on several different shows, uh, different seasons, and it's a pretty high-intensity experience, I can imagine, and I suppose being on reality TV and there's a lot of pressure in itself just being, you know, on that journey. Now, I definitely have heard you say that it's been such a huge growth journey for you as a person. So I'm really interested to know what the most valuable lessons you've learned about yourself through firstly, the process of being on that first season that you were on, but even your most recent one where you were actually the runner-up of the Fans and Faves season. I I think that for me, it's, I actually always, you know, growing up in, in my early years, of work and and my career, I always was really proud of um, and thankful for my intuition. But in recent years, I really lost that for some reason. I don't know what it was. And, you know, for a good, you know, three, four years, I, I feel like I kind of lost a little bit of that intuition and trusting in myself and trusting in my skills and knowing that it's okay to not be perfect all the time and it's okay to to fail. It's okay to take feedback on board and to grow and be better. And I can say now that really like after this last MasterChef experience, my intuition is kicked back in and it, it's such a powerful emotion and feeling to have to trust your own instinct and your gut and I can't underestimate how powerful that is. And for me, it really is such a a positive thing to have. And I think we're constantly second guessing ourselves and it's like, it's okay to fail, trust your intuition and that will guide you. And it really does, you know, guide us towards the things that we want to, you know, I guess the personality traits that we want to have and and who we want to be and it guides us naturally. So I think having that back has been something really powerful for me. Oh, that's so amazing to hear. And I feel like you've got this philosophy as well in terms of intuition and just kind of finding this 
very holistic way of approaching life. And of course, you are an ambassador for Wonderlust True North. And we've just hosted a few of those events, both in Sydney and Melbourne. Tell me a little bit more about this because it kind of incorporates part of this whole idea about listening to your intuition as part of a bit of a life philosophy, really, a way of living. So tell me what about being part of this event series, True North and Wonderlust in general, what that means to you and why that's something that you incorporate into your life. Yeah, so Wonderlust True North really is an incredible philosophy because it's all about finding your true north. And that's what I think for me. I mean, we all go on our own uh, journey to find ourselves, to find what makes us happy. And it's really important to realize that it's not going to look the same for everyone. It's going to be very unique to you. And and this whole experience really is a great way to show people that if you are just starting out at meditation or you're an expert and you can meditate for two hours, it's whatever works for you. And it's just finding that little moment of peace. And it could be through listening to a music that's calming and meditative, or it could be, you know, sitting in silence and doing your own breath work and whatever that might be, or it could be dance. It could be anything that actually just really makes you strip back all of the madness in life and, and the chaos and just be present and be with yourself. And, and there's so many levels of it. Like even with my son, it's going to sound a little crazy, but in the car on the way to school, I'm like, babe, we need two minutes of no music, no like um, reading a book on his um, iPad or, you know, playing on a game or anything like that. I want him to learn that it's okay to sit for two minutes on your own and do absolutely nothing because we're so distracted these days. There's always something, whether it's even when you're eating your dinner, you're watching, uh, you know, a social media platform or you're... uh, calling someone on the phone or you've got the TV on in the background, like we're always overly stimulated. So I really think it's important that we just strip that back and just learn to be with ourselves and, and find whatever it is that helps us to do that. And um, yeah, and I really just think this whole true North experience really just shows people it's about finding your true North. So um, meditation, yoga, um, dance, listening to other people's stories. Like it's amazing what you're doing, just being able to meet with different guests and, um, you know, and just listen to their stories. I mean, that's a really big craft in itself to be able to have those conversations because it's helping, you know, everyone to be able to take inspiration from other experiences that people have gone through. Yeah, 100%. I really like that. And the whole experience is really immersive because there's a whole bunch of different things that you can actually do at these events where you can listen to stories. There's really great speakers, practice yoga, there's meditation, there's a whole bunch of different things that are going on. And it's so great to see that you're at the helm of that and hosting those kinds of events and really kind of inspiring others to incorporate those quieter moments in their in their lives. And it's a really great way to just bring everybody together to do that as a community as well, I suppose. Yeah. How did you find it with you incorporating these things into your life? I mean, you know, before you were sort of doing these events, how did you sort of get introduced to these types of practices yourself? Honestly, through people like yourself and listening to podcasts and finding 
I think just just listening to other people's stories, I think there's no um, you know there's no real rule book in how to start your own wellness journey. But I knew that I have a very full life, <laughs> very, um, <laughs> you know, a lot going on. And there's a lot to, um, to switch from different kind of fields as well. Like, yes, it's all in food, but they're very different, um, things that I do along the way. And I just need, knew that I needed to just find a way to relax myself. You know, there was periods, you know, especially through MasterChef, my anxiety levels were through the roof and I tried different things, but um, you know, it's a lot of things don't work. And for me, it was the things that really worked for me through that period was, um, meditating. And for me, meditating can be as simple as going to a quiet room, just shutting my eyes. And I don't, I'm not actually really doing anything. I'm not forcing myself to like do anything as such, but it's just shutting my eyes, clearing my mind. And that 10 minutes, like, you know, I suffer from migraines as well. Like that 10 minutes in, in meditation can, can actually clear a headache or a migraine and relax me. So for me, it was a lot of trial and error, but it was also just listening to a lot of people's stories and finding what worked for them and, and knowing that it doesn't need to be the same for everyone. But now I just, for me, I know that what works for me is definitely consistency, but it's also not doing the same thing. So for me, I like to have different practices that I do, whether it is, you know, a, a workout at the gym with my trainer, or it is, you know, a more high intensity hit class, or it's yoga with someone in, in India that I, I usually work with when I'm there. So for me, it's like, it depends on the mood, it depends on the location that I am, but it's realizing I don't have to slot this workout into this box at this time, and, and force myself to do it if it doesn't feel right. So for me, it's about finding what feels right, staying consistent with something, but it doesn't need to be the same every day. Yeah. Having that flexibility as well as, but knowing that, knowing what your intention is, but also having the flexibility to sort of feel what feels right for you at that particular moment. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. And I guess that that comes back to the whole point of finding your true north because it's different for everybody, like you said. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that has really impacted your direction, obviously, is your has been your love of India, Indian food and the culture and the people. And of course, you opened your own restaurant there. So can you tell me a little bit about your first experience there and what you really took away from it and that impact that it had on you? Mm. I think the first experience that I had in India was really quite life-changing. I the moment I landed in India, I just had this overwhelming support and, um, you know, people in India will literally give you the shirt off their back to make sure that you're having an incredible time. It just made me realize how important it is to, um, yeah, to, to make other people around you feel special as well. And it's something that, um, you know, I've, I've tried to take on board as well in my life. And, and yeah, I just felt really welcomed. I really, um, you know, felt the love that people have for each other and their families and, and the importance of that. And it really helped me to just, uh, get back to that as well. And yeah, I mean, the food is just incredible. I think it's just, um, the amount of nutrition that you can jam into a a beautiful vegetarian dish or any, any dish in India. And, um, it's so tasty. It's so hearty. 
Um, but also a lot of the dishes are for a reason. They're not just to eat dinner. If you're, you've got a, say a bit of an upset stomach, then you have a kitchen. If you've got, if you're dehydrated and you're really hot, then you have, um, a nimbupani. It's one of the drinks that's really hydrating. It's got a pinch of salt or chaat masala and some herbs and, and it's a, a drink that, you know, is going to hydrate you and chili actually cools you down. And is all these little, um, dishes and, and methods and, and ways of eating that is for a reason. So again, like going back to, you don't need to eat the same dish every single day and just have a set meal. You need to listen to your body and go, how am I feeling right now? What is it that I really need? And, and knowing what is the best thing to give my body right now to actually lift it and, and make it feel energized. So I really did learn a lot about um, that side of things and, and listening to your body and, and really making balanced meals. I think balanced meals is really key in terms of, um, yeah, making them really balanced. Yeah, balanced meals. And I like there what you said about just learning that there's a specific reason for eating specific foods and depending on what your body feels like or what it needs, you go to that specific food. And one of the things that is a bit of a traditional Indian way of approaching not just food but other aspects of our health and well-being is Ayurveda, which is Mm -hmm. certain types of practices. And you're a big fan of Ayurvedic practices and, again, not just for your food, it's for health and well-being. So can you tell me a little bit more about this way of life or this way of living and how you incorporate that into your life? Yeah, I mean, Ayurvedic practices really are Again, it's about that balance. It's about moving your body. It's about meditating. It's about nourishing your body. It's about knowing what your body needs and listening to it as well. It's about rest, taking rest and actually going, okay, you know, I'm feeling like I really need time to rejuvenate my body. That's okay. You know, we get so caught up in in the pace of life to go, you know what, I actually do just need time to myself. But one um, main kind of, I guess, aspect of it that I love to take on board is um, through the balance in their dishes. So, for example, like a traditional um, vegetarian thali has six flavors in it. So it's salty, it's sweet, it's sour, it's bitter, it's astringent and sweet as well. So I think it's about... Um, realizing that a balanced meal should be balanced with all of these flavors and that's to nourish the body. So, um, yeah, I really like that. It's, it's thinking about everything from a more kind of holistic approach. So, um, yeah, there's even down to drinking teas, you know, the herbal teas and drinking warm water. Um, yeah. So just, I think it's, yeah, it's really about a lot of things. It's about um, being present when you're eating, chewing your food slowly, not getting distracted. Like it's a lot of the things that we've spoken about, but it's these ways to um, be, I think, just uh, really present with what we're doing. Yes, being more mindful about what we're putting into our bodies, but also in the process of eating, to be mindful while you're eating as well. Exactly. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. What are your What are your tips for people who might be listening who don't currently adopt these kinds of practices? I suppose. How would you suggest that they might start to incorporate this way of living into their life? I mean, 
how would you start to become more mindful? How would you start to incorporate being more holistic in your approach to health and wellness and food? I think that we just need to realize that we don't need to do everything at once. And I, you get lost along the way and that's okay. And you maybe fall off the track if you've implemented things into your day-to-day practices. But for me, I think the, the strongest I think the best start is in what we're putting into our bodies and knowing that you can make, you know, beautiful vegetarian curries a couple of nights a week. And and that's a really simple way to nourish the body. And even now, my son, who is a massive meat eater and could love, you know, could sit down and eat a steak every night of the week. We have vegetarian curries now and he absolutely loves it and he looks forward to it. So it's just... I think those simple ways of, and even down to, I mean, growing up every night, I really love that my mom did this, but every single night, no matter what, 6.30 PM, we would sit at the table and we would eat together and we would not have anything else going on. No phones, obviously no phones back then, but (laughs) no television. (laughs) Um, And we would sit and eat together and you lose that, right? And I think that's a really important step. And naturally, mum was doing that Ayurvedic practice of sitting, enjoying your food with your family in, you know, quite a calm environment and chewing your food and no one could leave until they're done. So it just slowed down that process. And it was something really regular that we did that we didn't realize the impact of that. So I think small things like that and and just building up those steps and Water, like I can't, I, I can't underestimate the the power of drinking enough water. I know in my body that I lack energy. I feel quite deflated. I feel a little bit more emotional if I haven't drunk enough water. So people always say, "Drink your eight glasses of water," and I'm like, "But why? Like we never really know why. Oh, we need to be hydrated. But what does it mean to be hydrated? It it actually changes." how you feel in your body. So I think water is is a really underestimated, powerful tool to give us energy. Mm, and that's just a simple thing that you could start to incorporate. And that's a really small step just to drink more water and, and gradually increase. And like you said, it's it's good to just incorporate things slowly and not expect ourselves to do everything at once because it's a bit unrealistic to think that that can just change everything all over in one night. So I really like that tip. That was so good. Yeah. Now, I think it's, it's really interesting having, again, going from being a model to viewing your body and food in one way and now being a chef for a really long time and having a different relationship, I suppose, with food and your body. I'm interested to know what the most valuable lessons you've learnt about loving your body and food along this journey because I suppose it's so different like we were saying before. What's the most valuable lesson that you could pass on to somebody? I think that for me, I, and, and, you know, my body's gone through a huge change from my modeling days till now. And, and, you know, I used to beat myself up about it a lot. I put on a lot of weight since those days and I was young and also living a very different lifestyle. And it was just to really love my body again. And, you know, it's different to what it was before, but it doesn't mean that it's bad. And I just have, like, you know, there was a period where I just didn't feel comfortable in my, how it was looking. And now I'm just like, I actually love my body. And the the amazing thing is, is that when you have that confidence in your body and, and your appearance, that 
you just naturally want to be a little bit more active. You want to naturally be a little bit, um, you know, add in more of these mindful practices. It's that moment when you're hating on yourself and you're talking to yourself badly that actually does the opposite thing of make you get into a hole and not want to get up and not want to do anything. So it has such a negative effect on how you look and feel. So for me, it's just been really being nice to myself, being, you know, talking. I'm such a positive person and I, you know, really love to uplift everyone around me. And then I go, would I ever say that to one of my friends, what I just said, to, you know, about myself? Never. Like it would never enter my mind. So what the hell, why am I saying this to myself? So I realized it's it's really powerful to just be kind to yourself. And it's it's as simple as talking to yourself nicely. The rest of everything else falls into place after that. Yeah, I really like that. It's it's sort of how you speak to yourself, your thoughts about yourself. And even just that question of asking yourself, would I say this to my friend? Yeah. And most of the time it's you wouldn't say it. If it was a negative <laughs> thought, you wouldn't say that to your friend at all. Exactly. So I really like that. It's a good thing to question ourselves on. Yeah. Now, I'm really interested to know, and I feel like a lot of people would probably ask you about this. What does a typical day of eating look like for you these days? Because obviously, like we were saying before, it's probably changed a lot and you you incorporate all these mindful practices into your life now. So what do you normally eat during the day? What's an average day look like for you? Um, there's no average day, (laughs) um, but for me, I mean, it depends on what I'm doing. I think that for me, it, I, I look at food more as an energy, uh, you know, and way to, to prepare myself for what's coming up. So, I mean, for example, today I, um, went to the gym this morning. So I actually fasted in the morning until I went to the gym, I worked out. And then I had, you know, a protein-rich dish. But then I, um, this afternoon, have an event where I have to talk a lot and have a lot of mind power and energy. So I really look at something highly nutritious for lunch and um, not so carb-heavy. So somewhere in the middle where, you know, like a quinoa salad where it's getting proteins and lots of veggies in there and lots of protein. So I, I know that for me, if I have a big, you know, whether it's filming a television show or it's, um, you know, talking uh, gig, I need enough nutrients and fuel in my body for my mind to be highly active. But if I have too much like pasta and all of that, I, I get like really quite lethargic. So it's finding that balance in what I'm eating I yeah love to take snacks with me and things like that. But a beautiful dinner for me on a lot of days is yeah really highly nutrient rich curry where I load in as many um, vegetables and protein as possible and and have that for dinner most days. And I feel the most fulfilled when I have that. But yeah, I like to to have a pretty substantial lunch is key for me. Yeah. I really like that you think about what it is that you're going to be doing and what you need to fuel yourself for and then eat according to what your day is going to look like because that, that that's a really, really great way to look at food. And I guess it, it means that your day will never be average because it depends on what you're doing for the day. So I really, really like that. Yeah. I mean, if we're just going to be at home and really doing, you know, having a lazy Sunday at home, then why do we need to give ourselves so much food, you know, it's, you need to think about how much energy you're exerting as well. If you're going on a big trek on a Sunday, then you're going to put more nutrients into your body to give you energy. So I think we get quite confused about 
a lazy Sunday is the day where we, you know, pig out on the couch and eat, eat lots, lots of food, but for what, right? You never feel great after that. I think it's realizing when we actually need all that food to give us energy and, and um, thinking about food a little bit differently. Yeah, I really like your approach to thinking about it and thinking about if we are going to have a lazy day, what is actually required of us? What do we need to to fuel us for that type of day? I really, really like that approach. Now, you've created many recipes over the years. So this might be a difficult question to answer, but what is one of your favorite simple, healthy recipes that you can share with people listening? So for me, I... I... It's probably my all-time favorite. I make it every week. I love a beautiful fish curry. So I um, I have my little masala pack that I'm actually selling now, but I I use it every week. I've given it to all my friends. I'm like, you. It's it literally takes about 15 to 20 minutes to make this beautiful dish, and you can even swap out the fish and put in pumpkin or whatever you're feeling like. But for me, I just love a beautiful, hearty, warming, comforting curry for me that's that's key so it's like a south indian fish curry it's my ultimate go-to but it's so tasty it's like even when i'm having people over for dinner i it's like a go-to dish for me that i make all the time so i highly recommend trying this dish okay so south indian fish curry we need to get onto that yeah (laughs) and check out your masala packs too we can get them on your website as well which we can quickly throw together with some with all the ingredients that we need amazing i love that so much now, one of the things that I speak to all my guests about is rejection and failure because it's something that we all experience in life. So I'm really interested to know what your biggest rejection or failure has been and what have you learned from it? Honestly, like I have rejections and failures all the time and it's something that I've learned very early on that that's okay. And I look at things like, you know, I know it sounds kind of a bit cheesy, but you just have to look at what you're learning out of it. And it's okay to feel sad and to to feel the hurt and the pain, but it's important to find something that you can take away from that situation and learn and grow. And I just, for me, I really, at that, I think about in that moment, I am where I am from all the things that I've done to teach me to get to this point. I can't know everything. There is going to be failures. And yes, in maybe five years time, I'll have the tools to get through this failure and probably not be a failure, but I'm not there right now. And that's okay. Like, it's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to learn and grow. And I mean, my biggest, there's honestly, like I could write a book about the amount of failures and rejections that I've had (laughs) in my life. And they hurt. They really do hurt. And, you know, I think one of the biggest ones was, my restaurant burning down in in Goa. And I had put years of my life into starting this rec- restaurant. I sacrificed a lot to, to make it happen. And in, you know, there was some person clearing the land next door to my restaurant and fire embers flew over. And in front of my eyes, the restaurant burned to the ground in a matter of 30 minutes. And in that moment, like I literally felt like someone had torn my arm off and like, or, you know, stabbed me in the heart. Like it it was pain. Like I felt pain in that moment. And honestly, like I was probably depressed after that for probably three months, I think after that, that happened. And I wasn't sure if I could do it again, if I, you know, could get past it. But 
I realized just, you know, how much I, how much support I had around the world of people who were like, your, you know, your restaurant's amazing. It's, we've all had huge milestones there, whether it's engagements or weddings or birthdays or celebrations or just a fun, you know, weekend there. And I was like, you know what, like, it's just feel the pain work through it, but it's okay. And it's like, okay, building it this time actually only took three months. The first time it took seven. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, <laughs> there's, there's growth and there's learnings in everything that happens. And, um, you know, that was devastating for me, but it, at the same time, it learned, it taught me how to deal with, with loss and, um, you know, uh, yeah, like sort of, I suppose a, a rejection in a way. So, yeah, for me, it's just understanding that it's part of the process. And I think we all go through it in work and also in business. It happens all the time. And that is a pretty significant one. But honestly, like I, I face these things on a day-to-day basis in, in a lot of different aspects. So yeah, just, just knowing it's part of the process and it's okay. It's okay to feel sad and to feel that, but it's um important to find something positive out of it as well. Yeah, I like that. Just allowing yourself also to feel the feelings of what happens when you do go through that rejection or failure and not just brushing that aside, but acknowledging it and then taking the lesson from it, which is so amazing. And obviously, you know, when you, when you go through those things, like you said, you learn a lot and, and you just continue to build up that resilience, I suppose, for going through more, more of them as we go through life. Exactly. My final question for you is if you had a overarching life philosophy or a mantra that you try to live your life by, what would that be? I've gotten to the point now in in my life where I've realized it's important to enjoy the process. And when I was younger, I used to just be running all the time. I would sacrifice my happiness to succeed and to, you know, I think to grow. And yes, that helped me in the beginning to get to where I am. But I've realized now that I, it's so important to enjoy everything along the way. Life is short. And yes, we want to succeed. Yes, we want to be successful, but we really do have to enjoy it along the way. And I, for the first probably five, seven years of, of being a chef, I didn't take a holiday like ever. I worked every single day and I still work a lot now, but I make sure that I take the time to enjoy my life and take these moments out to be with my friends, to be with um, my son, obviously, you know, he's the priority and, um, but just to enjoy it along the way. And yeah, it really, life goes very, very quickly. Yeah. Oh, I like that so much. Just enjoy the process. And it almost comes back to just, just to that whole idea of finding balance really, Mm -hmm. isn't it? It's almost like incorporating those things into your life. So that's a good one. I think for all of us to remember is to enjoy the process along the way and not to disregard your happiness as well. Enjoy the process and and find that happiness in what you do. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Sarah. I've really loved this chat and to I'm sure everybody listening will have learned so much from your journey and be inspired by all your insights and everything that you've gone through. Now, where can people find all the amazing work that you do on Instagram, your website, and and also because you've got a whole bunch of products and things, masala packs and range of things, cookbooks and things, where can they find all of those great things? Yeah, everyone can jump over to my website, sarahtodd.com.au or my Instagram at sarahtodd and 
yeah, there's all these different um, products that I've been working on to just make people's life a little bit easier to add in healthy meals to their regular week. And yeah, that it really is part of my philosophy. Yeah, amazing. So we will drop all of those links in the show notes, guys, so that you can check out all of Sarah's amazing work and her products and her cookbooks and all the amazing things as well. Now, make sure you tell us what you loved and learned from this episode by leaving a rating and review over at Apple Podcasts. Make sure you screenshot this episode, tag us and share it to your socials. Thank you again, Sarah, for joining me. And thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Rach Active Podcast. 